My name is Ed, in case you're visiting, and I'm the pastor, and thanks so much for coming. If you're visiting, I want to let you know right now, this is fall, and it's time for us to connect to things, and I'm convinced that one of the things that you need to connect to is here. If you've been coming for the last few weeks or months, I'm especially talking to you. For those of you who have been coming for a long time here at Gateway, I'm talking to you as well. And with your permission, actually it doesn't matter if you give your permission or not, I'm going to be pretty heavy-handed today. Because we're going to spend three weeks kind of circling around who Gateway is and what it means. So if you're new to us, this is a great time for you to be here. And I don't think you're here by accident. So thank you for coming. I think God has convened us. All right, uh, Jonathan, I want you to say on this first slide very briefly, but meandering. Meandering means to follow a winding, turning course or to move aimlessly and idly without fixed direction, according to freedictionary.com. To move idly and aimlessly without direction. Okay, next slide. This is a new series of messages that we're going to go over just for a couple of weeks. As a church, we are not meandering. We are moving missionally, and if you're a part of Gateway, we're going to spend the next three weeks reminding ourselves of that. This will be a time for us to refocus on what God has called us to be here at Gateway. If you're new to Gateway, thanks so much for coming, honestly. You could do a lot of other things with your Sunday morning, and I want you to know we want you to move with us. I believe this is a great time for you to be here. We need help, and I don't believe you're here by accident. You may not even be here because God moved you to the area because of work. You may be here for something more missional than that. I want to talk very forthrightly for the next three weeks about who we are as a church, where we're going, and about how you can stay connected or get connected to that. And I'm going to plead with you to do so before we finish. I told you I was going to be a little heavy-handed, so forewarned is forearmed. I hope you'll bear with me today. I may get a little heavy-handed, but it's fall, and it's a busy season for many of us, so I'm going to appeal to you to stay missional in your lives. Your lives are too important and too short to spend time meandering. I did a random search this week on the word meandering, and I found eight or ten sites that list quotes with the word meandering in it. I was fascinated by how the word was used. I made a list of usages that appeared more than once. Meandering is used in association with a tale, a meandering tale, or a story. It's used in association with a path. Along with that, I thought it was interesting, more than once, meandering was used in opposition to hiking. We weren't hiking, we were meandering. It was associated with a speech and a discourse. It was associated with poetry. It was also used in exactly the same way that we're using it in the title of this series, kind of related to your life. For example, I found this quote from a model I'd never heard of, Agnes Dayu. She said, I never knew modeling was what I wanted to do. I was just meandering through life, having fun, having laughs with my friends. But more often than any other reference, and some of you may know this, Think about when you've heard the word meandering those six times in your life. It may have been associated with this. More often than anything else, what would you think? It was used in association with a river or a stream. Several times I saw meandering river in a quote. And I thought about why that is, and I realized it makes perfect sense. Rivers don't take a direct route. They take very circuitous 
circuitous paths. They zigzag back and forth, winding to and fro to the sea. And why is that? Well, it's because a river takes the path of least resistance. When it meets an obstacle, it wanders around it until it can find an easier path. This is what becomes of our lives as individuals, as families, and as a corporate body when we take the path of least resistance. We end up meandering. Some of us have been meandering emotionally and spiritually for far too long. We're deep in it. We've put large portions of our life on autopilot. We don't have a real sense of where we're going or why. Not really. And some of us have slipped into the edges of meandering. We've just drifted there, probably because of the inertia of the, how frenetic our schedule is and we don't seem to be able to get on top of it. And others of us end up meandering because the straight path is simply too painful. We meander because we hit an obstacle and we take the path of least resistance. The obstacles are too big. I want to cue a video. I think you'll recognize this guy. I want you to see the first clip of a great profile piece that Sports Center did on a fairly famous swimmer. So, Jonathan, let's see this. That's a train wreck. Now it's just like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. Yeah, there were times where I didn't want to be here. It was just not good. I was just so lost. Where do I go from here? What do I do now? Some of you may know that was the voice of Michael Phelps, and Michael Phelps did some very public meandering. Michael Phelps ended up purposeless and meandering. You're going to find out later in the video. If, if you were to watch the whole thing, you'll find out more. But uh, it was because of, partly because of the burden of being Michael Phelps, and it was partly because of the giant hole in his life, created by the break in his relationship with his father. Some of you know that kind of hole. It's just too painful to lean into, so we wander around it. Many of us know about the tendency to meander. So I'm going to do three things this morning. First, I'm going to appeal to each of us to push into personal missional living. I'm going to remind us of how missional we are by design. Secondly, then I'm going to lay out Gateway's mission. And again, this will be a reminder to some of us, and for others of us, this is going to be an unashamed invitation for you to join. And finally, I want to appeal to you to connect or to reconnect, whatever the case may be. So, first of all, we were made for a purpose. You and I were made for a purpose. Genesis 127, let's begin at the beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this is on page one of the Bible. We were created in God's image, reflecting him with the capacity to relate to him. We are not the result of a random collision of atoms that eventually coalesced into something called life. The process that made us is extremely intentional. Having made us with the highest degree of intentionality, then notice the first thing God does. He gives us a mission. We were made for a purpose. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, and notice 
the mission that leaps, the intentionality, the care, the design that leaps off the page in this song. Psalm 139. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is a song about being known. This is a song about being created, purposefully so. This is a song about being ordained. Or another word for ordained is purposed or enmissioned. Ephesians 2.10, we'll take it to the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the ancient church in Ephesus and also to us. Ephesians 2.10, listen to this. It's New Testament, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's word. Okay, we're going to make sure we get the point on this one. We're going to read this together. Ephesians 2.10, we're reading from the New International Version. For we are God's workmanship. To pause there for a second. Can you think of anything more intentional, more by design, more on purpose? Let's start over. For we are God's workmanship. Pause there for a second. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You may be seated. Again, this indicates the highest degree of intentionality, doesn't it? God is pictured here like a craftsman in his workshop, toiling over us, creating us in Christ Jesus. You get the impression that something incredibly radical happens to us when we make the emotional and mental connection with Jesus Christ. It is as if we are being recreated. And we are recreated with a mission. And that mission, to do good works, Paul says. More than that, this is so highly purposeful. God has gone to the trouble to prepare those good works in advance for us to do. You and I were made for a purpose. We are not designed to meander through our lives. We certainly know how to meander. There's casual meandering. You know, first the college degree, and then the job, and then the house, and then the kids, and then the dog, blah, blah, blah. No comments about the dog, Jordan. We meant to get one. Or maybe it's military, and then the house, and the kids, and few deployments, and the dog, and once in a while something traumatic happens. A sickness, a divorce, a child with serious emotional or health issues. And we are jarred awake. And we often spend an incredible amount of energy during that time, searching, not for purpose, but for the path of least resistance so life can feel easy again. The next thing you know, we're now, once again, actively meandering. Until one day we wake up and realize the next thing on the checklist is the grave. And then it's too late, right? It's never too late, but early is better in this case. To connect a purpose. So, for some of us today, we need to remember. We need to remember to be fully alive, to be fully engaged in the mission that God has for us. We need to remember. This, what we're doing, and I don't mean here this morning, gateway. I mean this. I mean Monday through Sunday. I mean the job. I mean the kids. I mean the mortgage. I mean the relationships, the troubles. This is not a dress rehearsal. 
If your kids are 7, 10, and 14, then this fall is the only fall you get when your kids will be 7, 10, and 14. If you're 44, then this is the only fall that you'll be 44 with this combination of experience and vitality. If you're 33, this is it. This is the only time. If you're 71, you're painfully aware that this is the only 71 you get. So let's consider this a reminder this morning. Some of us need to be reminded. We were made for a purpose. We were not made to meander. We were not made to make it till Friday. Some of us need to surrender, not just remember. Okay, let's get the second clip, Jonathan. I honestly felt like that was his third strike and that was it. That his ability to kind of be Michael Phelps, you know, was kind of over. For the next five days, Phelps says he stayed in his Baltimore home, curled up in his bedroom. For a moment, I thought it was going to be the end of my life, literally. Just because it was like, second one, how many times is he going to mess up? You know, like, I was like, yeah, it'll probably just be better without me. People won't have to deal with the, the BS that I give them or the crap I put them through. I didn't really leave my room, didn't eat, didn't really sleep. I just figured that it was the best thing to do was just to end my life. Advice from longtime friend, mentor, and fellow Baltimore icon Ray Lewis lifted Phelps. I'm like, baby boy, listen to me. This is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. Don't shut down. Because if you shut down, we, we all lose. And so to hear a younger brother say some of the things he was saying, right, about, bro, I, I, I effed up, man. I just effed up. And I'm like, really? Really? Okay, let, let me give you an example what, what you say messing up is. And so for me, I had to go back into some of my dark days and, and, and things that wasn't pretty on my side. And so what we started to reinstall in him was, let me show you who you are. I want to expose to you really who you are. Lewis and others close to Phelps eventually convinced him to seek help at the Meadows, a behavioral rehabilitation facility just outside Phoenix. Got into a car, shaking in the car, shaking when I got there. Scared. And I started texting my mom saying I was afraid for the first time in my life. I was out of my comfort zone. I didn't like that. I think when you find your lowest point in your life, I think you're kind of open to a lot of things to try to change it and to try to get back on the right path. I was just surrendering. For 45 days at the Meadows, Phelps worked on his inner demons for the first time. Between therapy sessions, Phelps often swam in a pool, far too confining for an 18-time Olympic champion. I would take two strokes and get to the other side. So I was like, well, don't really know what I'm going to do in here. I just started doing drills. 
flip turns, working on kick. I got yelled at for wearing a brief. Couldn't wear a brief, so I had to find something else to wear. Phelps also buried himself in a book Ray Lewis had given him, The Purpose Driven Life. It's turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet. What you didn't hear was the section in which 18-time Olympian champion Michael Phelps got caught with his second DUI. And then someone released a video online of, some of you will remember, of Phelps smoking pot with a bong and other incidences. 18-time Olympic champion Michael Phelps. It led Michael Phelps to a place of aggressive meandering. Blind, wandering completely aimlessly. So deep into meandering, he's in his room by himself contemplating suicide. There are three or four of you today who are in a place of deep meandering. You know the only good news for you today? It's hard to miss meandering when you're deep in it. For most of us, right, we're casually meandering. We've still got the job and the kids and the house and the schedule that's frenetic and we don't even realize We don't realize how far we are from purpose, from mission, from being engaged, from being alive. You were called to something more than that. So some of us need to remember, and some of us need to surrender. Did you hear what Phelps said? When he went to the rehab center, he said, I was just surrendering. Look, you weren't designed to be you finding yourself while meandering through the maze of life. You were designed to surrender to God and to discover before you his beautiful and immense purpose for your life, the mission that God has for you. You were made for a purpose. So that's the personal stuff. Now let me get the gateway. The same is true for us as a congregation. We were made for a mission. We were drawn together. We were assembled for a reason as a church. We're here for a purpose. In fact, the word church, our word church in the New Testament, and the word that we use casually, we say gateway community church, that actually translates a Greek word. The word from the Greek New Testament is the word ekklesia, and it's a combination word. It's the preposition ek and klesia, the second part of it. And the word ek means out or from, and the word klesia means called or assembled. We are called out. We are the called out ones. We are the assembled ones. This is not just a casual gathering, and the church is not the organization. It's not Ed, hey, go, preacher boy, do your thing. The church is us. It's you. When you go out to lunch today after the service, that's a church meeting. That's a gathering of the church. You should take minutes. That's a business meeting of the church. That's when the church does its most important business. The mission of Gateway, we've stated explicitly, We believe that we exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. But I want you to stand up again. We're going to read this together because this is the mission of this body of believers. This is what we believe God has called us to do. And we're going to spend the next two weeks dialing down on this and inviting you in the most unashamed, direct possible way to join us. So let's read this together. 
We exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. That's a mouthful. You can be seated. So look, this morning, if you're here investigating, then that's awesome. You may be investigating spiritually, and I know that there are a couple of you who are. You know, can I really buy this stuff? And that's terrific. We're honored that you would think about doing that here. Some of you may be investigating whether or not you know where you are spiritually, but you're investigating this church. Is, is this a place that I think I can connect to? So I want to say to all of you who are investigating, take your time and investigate. But if you're called here, or once you realize you're called here, we don't want you to occupy space. We don't want you to come and sit. And you don't want that for yourself. If you're called here, you're called to engage. You're called to mission. This is not about us. This is about drawing others. Some of you know the story well enough to know that Jesus, the first time he talked to his first followers, the first time he encountered his disciples, Jesus said, hey, come follow me. Not, come follow me, I'm going to show you how to be super spiritual. Not, come follow me. I'm going to show you how to stand out from the crowd. You're going to look awesome. Not, come follow me. I'm going to give you joy and peace and make you stinking rich. So come on. Jesus said, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to draw other people into something amazing that I'm doing on the planet. I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of people. You know how to fish. You've done it all your lives. I'm going to show you how to reach people. This isn't about us. This is about the people who aren't here yet. We're building a building for the people who aren't here yet. Look, I'm old. I'm not going to be doing this that much longer. That church is going to affect this area. We're building something that's going to affect this area. And those of you who are younger than me, that, it's for you. Well, it's not even for you. It's for the people who are going to be attracted to you. It's weird as that is. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> We're not drawing others to be part of the club. We're drawing others into authentic Christian community. So that means we got to be community so we can draw others into it. Now, you need to know that authentic Christian community is a full-contact sport. Building real connections with other people is sometimes like porcupines huddling on a cold night. You all are prickly, and you're a mess, and you can hurt one another, and you do. But to quote that great modern-day theologian, Ray Lewis, baby boy, this is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. So your schedule is freakishly busy this fall. I get that. You're running in four different directions at the same time, and you're going to tell one another constantly. We don't surrender to that. We don't give up and give in, throw in the towel. This is when we fight. We fight to stay engaged. We fight to stay purposeful. We don't just move along with the tide. We fight to pursue mission. We don't allow ourselves to drift into meandering. That's not what we do. And for us at Gateway, that means, first of all, pursuing one another. That means digging into relationships with the weird guy or the strange woman. We're all weird and strange. Finding time to spend with others. 
And it means pursuing God. We don't put God on the back burner. We're too busy for that. I read this great illustration one time. I'm sorry I'm departing. I read this great illustration one time about a true story. I mean, it actually happened. It was a whale that got caught under the ice shelf. I don't know, somewhere north of Alaska. There is something north of Alaska, right? So he's one of those really big whales, and he's under the ice shelf. And, you know, he can't escape. And they know it because, you know, they hear this huge banging, and some whale lovers go up, and they discover the whale. Here's the problem. And he's disoriented. He's meandering. He doesn't know which direction to go. He's swimming aimlessly. Here's why that's a problem for a whale. I mean, you're thinking, what's the big deal? They breathe underwater. (laughs) This is true. But they have that little blowhole for a reason. And that's the way, in part, they exhale. And they have to. If they don't exhale, impurity gets in their system, and it begins to pollute them, and they die. And they realize after a period of time, these whale lovers, biologists, other folks, they realize the whale is trapped under the ice, doesn't know which way to go, and he will die. So they walk out onto the ice shelf, and they begin drilling giant holes in the ice shelf so the whale can move to the hole, (laughs) exhale, and then they go a half a mile away and drill another one, and they lead him out to sea. That's what your connection with God is. That's why you come on Sunday morning. That's why you spend time with him. You're getting rid of all of that impurity. You're exhaling. And that's what we do. We pursue him. We don't drift. We move purposefully. Enough of the whale. At Gateway, we pursue God because we need to exhale. We're too busy to keep it in. Your life is too short not to invest exists to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. All right, real quick. There are some enemies to missional living. I'm not going to go over this, but this just real quick. You may be able to think of others. I thought of three. This is just to get your gray matter going, to give us something to talk about over lunch. Enemies of missional living in our lives, I think, number one, are self-reliance. We're pros at that, and you're good at it. It's how you ended up in an area that costs so much stinking money to live in because you're good at it. Self-reliance is one of the enemies of real purposeful living because as the great theologian Michael Phelps said, I realize my life is connected to something bigger than me. There's something bigger than I am. And he's moving with a purpose in and through and before me. I wanted to read the scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I was going to turn to it in my Bible. I only have one hand, so I can't. But some of you know it. It comes right before that verse we read this morning. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the verse is right before that. For it's by grace you've been saved. Grace. It's not of yourselves, Paul says. You didn't earn it. You didn't go find God. You didn't go work and do I'm going to figure God out. It's by grace you've been saved. It's not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, not of your effort. So we don't get to boast about it, Paul says. We don't get to brag about it. Doesn't depend on us. Second enemy, I think, of missional living is almost the opposite. It's laziness. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And there's a lot of stuff in Proverbs about laziness. If you find yourself throwing everything together at the last minute or leaving things off or leaving things out, you may be struggling with missional living because of laziness 
or sloth. A third enemy that occurs to me is busyness, activity, just the sheer volume of activity that we say yes to. There's a reason the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Jordan led us this morning in that song that says, in the stillness, in the quiet, I connect. Let's end. I'm going to give you some homework. Two things. First of all, I want you to ask yourself. Seriously, this isn't rhetorical. I'm giving us all homework. I want you to ask yourself, am I in? Here. I told you I was going to be heavy-handed. I don't mean am I in with life. I love life. Or I am not even mean am I in with God. I hope so. I hope you have a connection with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. If you haven't, I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. I really do believe Paul is right. There's, of course he is. There's something amazing happens to us when we make that connection. But I'm asking, are you in here? And I want you to think about it, and I want you to try to answer. Uh, for some of you, that's going to be easy. You've been here for a while, and your answer is, yes, I'm in. And for you, again, today is a time to remember. And really, pause sometime this week and ask yourself, is this still the place that God wants me to be? Is this still the place where my personal mission connects with the mission of this group and we can move together because of what God is doing around us? And are you sure? Then if you're sure, hear me carefully, we need to feel the weight of you. You don't need to consistently, week in and week out, week in and week out, give your best effort to work. We need to feel the weight of you here. You're not called here to meander here and to really move forward Monday through Saturday. You're called to invest. We need to feel the weight of you. How do I say that more forcefully? Give me some of those feedback things, Kevin. We need your ministry here. So if you're new here, that's for those of you who are down with Gateway. If you're new here, then this is an important exercise for you. So I put together this little brochure. We're going to have some hander-outers at the door on your way out. That's the technical term, hander-outers. We're going to have hander-outers at, at the door on your way out. And if you want one, I'd love for you to grab it. This is an unapologetic appeal to you to join Gateway, to be part of us. As a part of it, there are three exercises that I'd like you to do. It's like 10 or 15 minutes each. It just takes you to a place in the Bible to contemplate and then asks you a couple of questions. I'd like you to do it this week and to consider whether or not just take 10 or 15 minutes as soon as you wake up in the morning or right before you go to sleep, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever, and go through this exercise. Some of you who are already connected to Gateway, you might want to just for a reminder. So grab one of these and use it as a vehicle to ask yourself, am I in here? Do I and can I connect to this place? Second homework assignment. So the first homework assignment, remember, is am I in here? Do I want to connect here? Am I willing to have the weight of me felt at Gateway? Not do I want to come on Sunday morning and occupy a chair. We appreciate you being here. But that's not what God has called you to. Secondly, I want you to take the next right step. If you're in, I want you to take the next right step. Now, for some of you, that means get in a small group. 
I almost feel like pausing and saying, okay, right now, if you're not, go to the blackboard in the lobby. I won't be that obvious, probably. But for some of you, the next step is to get in a small group. For some of you, the next step is to volunteer for a team. In your program this morning, if you've got a program, there's a little card that came in it. There's little check marks in there, if you're, especially if you're new to Gateway. Fill it out. Check if you need to. And drop it in the offering. We're going to collect an offering in it as our last act of worship in a few minutes. Or you can leave these at the... Terry Eagle will be in the back. She's back with the kids, the, with the youth today. But uh, she'll be at the back in, in the black, at the blackboard. So you can just leave it there with her. And we'll get back to you. Just give us your email address. Sign up for a team. Or say, I'm willing to talk about teams. That's all you need to do. And we'll get in touch with you and say, thanks. You know, what kind of thing are you interested in doing? How can we release you to service? How do we feel the weight of you? For some of you, that means giving. That's right. He said it. You know, Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And some of you have never thought about giving to church. But you need to. That's the next right step for for some of you. In fact, many of us at Gateway have gone through a really intentional exercise of praying and asking, God, what would you like me to give? And there are people here at Gateway who give 5% of their income annually. 5%. And they make a lot of money. Most of you do. There are people here at Gateway who give 10% of their income every year. 10%. In fact... Whenever the Bible actually gives a standard, and I don't think Jesus makes a check mark, so he doesn't care so much about the standard, but whenever the Bible gives a standard, that's the standard, 10%. So that's like if you make $100,000 a year, that's 10%, You divide that by 52 weeks, and that's what people here at Gateway, they stroke a check for that amount. There are people here at Gateway who give more than 10% of their income. For some of you, the next right step is to give. It doesn't have to be everything. If you're going to give everything, write that check out to Ed Allen. But some of you, taking the next right step is to invite someone over to dinner. Somebody at Gateway that you don't know well, but you think you can connect to, and, and you felt a little tap on your shoulder. They weren't doing well last Sunday, and I was wondering what's up with them. So instead of going home this afternoon, and whoever you're in the car with saying, you know, they really didn't look good. I think something was wrong with them. Why don't you say, let's, hey, let's have them over, let's care for them. That might be the next right step for some of you. For some of you, the next right step is going to be to try to get to church every other week. Because right now it's about once every six weeks. So for some of you, taking the next right step is going to be to try to get here every other week. That's what spiritual growth looks like. It looks like taking the next right step. All right, let me see if I can find this. I have here a copy of the book that Ray Lewis gave to Michael Phelps, Purpose Driven Life. Some of you have read this. It's it's like a daily devotional that lasts a long time. Good stuff. Day three, uh, later in the video, one of the the camera pans to the Purpose Driven Life, you know, dramatic effect. Purpose Driven Life is laying open, and one of the days it's open is day three. Day three, the author Rick Warren says this, There are five great benefits of living a purpose-driven life. One, knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. We were made to have meaning. Two, 
Knowing your purpose simplifies your life. I like this. It defines what you do and what you don't do. So you're able to say no to a lot of things very effectively when you know your purpose. When you don't know your purpose, we talked about this last week, you're a middle-income suburban parent with kids, then you say yes to everything because your kids need every opportunity and you love them. So they're involved in seven things a week. And they get to college and they go see their college counselor and they say, I'm stressed out. Three, knowing your purpose focuses your life. It concentrates your effort and energy on what's important. You become effective at being selective. Number four, knowing your purpose motivates your life. Purpose always produces passion. Nothing energizes like a clear purpose. And number five, knowing your purpose prepares you for eternity. Many people spend their lives trying to create a lasting legacy on earth. They want to be remembered when they're gone, yet what ultimately matters most will not be what others say about your life, but what God says. Lord, I'm painfully aware that these are just words unless you animate them. So I pray that you would do so in all of our lives, that you would animate our lives, fill us with purpose. And God, I want to pray selfishly. I want to pray that those of us who are new, who are circling around Gateway, I pray, Lord, that we will jump in, that we'll get in the game. We won't be satisfied with being a bench warmer. I also pray, Lord, that you will draw us together because this mission that you've given us is impossible work unless you do it among us, unless you connect us to one another and to community and to you. It just can't be done. We're all too difficult and we're too busy. So, Lord, this morning, we give you permission to do your work in us. We pause right now, Lord, and I pray that you would take the next few seconds, begin to stir in our hearts, what's the next right step for us? Stay seated. Sing this with me. God only wise. God only wise. Open our hearts and turn to lift up our eyes. Know that we are, we are. You're the Lord of space and time. Everything you do brings life. You bring life. Take every hope and longing, God. Take all our joy and pain. Use us to bless this broken world. Use us to bring you praise. All that we All that we are is yours alone. Teach 
anxious to trust you in our lives, God only why. Sing that chorus again. Take every hope. Take every hope and longing, God. Take all our joy and pain. Use us to bless this broken world. Use us to bring you praise. All that we, we give you now. And all that we are is yours alone. Teach us to trust you in our lives, God only wise. God only wise. Well, thanks so much. Go in peace.